Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. Ooh, that was uncomfortable. (laughs) And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing the uh, first episode of season three of Supernatural, titled The Magnificent Seven. Jamie, what did you think? We made made it to the third season. I know. Season three. I thought we would have quit by now. (laughs) Yeah, same here. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't think we'd make it this far. But look at us, we're still going. I'm shocked that you're still agreeing to watch. Like I'm I'm impressed by your stamina. <laughs> look, I had to get to the point where you would record leverage with me. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like now we just quit so we're not just see leverage. No. <laughs> see, you're stuck here now. <laughs> the only reason. Alright. Uh so, so the, the Magnificent Seven, how did you how did you feel about the episode? What are your first thoughts? Um, my first thoughts of the episode, uh, I'll start from the beginning, Excellent. which is like the little shits must have gotten into the bins, possums again, like Jesus Christ, <laughs> they're like just shaking. <laughs> and the, they start, like the wires start spiking, I'm like, oh, the little shits must have got to the fucking wires as well. Yeah, like, yeah. Do you know what's really funny is my first thought was also about the bins, yeah. but in a very different way. So I don't, I don't understand if you live in America, yeah. please feel free to explain this to me because I don't know if... If this is, like, a thing that is just... You have metal bins. Yeah. And they have lids that are yeah. completely removable. So as far as I can How? tell from TV and movies that I have watched, the way they, like, we we live in Australia, so the way... Really, we, Jamie? I yeah. feel like we've never mentioned that before. No. I thought I'd bring it back. It was like, this is a relic from just the first season. Just in case you season. forgot. We didn't mention that anywhere near as much as the second season. So let's bring it back to the third. <laughs> From what I have gathered from TV shows and movies set in America, yeah, they have like garbage trucks, yeah, and somebody sort of like hangs onto the back of the garbage truck. They stop. The person gets off, dumps the bin in, yeah. and then puts it back, and then gets back on the truck. That's crazy. Yeah. So for reference, in Australia, we have wheelie bins, yeah. which are great, and, and we they're have like huge. They're way bigger than the fucking tin yeah, can, can whatever bullshit that is. And like, it's sort of like. The side of the garbage machine has like it's the garbage floor. It has like yeah, like arms that sort of go out, grab it, and like dump it in, and like the the lid is attached there. by a hinge, and it's it's hinged, so it just dumps all the thing out, and then it goes back down. So there's no like human interaction with required. the bin. You've just got the driver who like presses a button, and the arm goes out and like dumps it. Yeah, but I was okay. I have so many questions about this because one, I was like, well, they, I, it never occurred to me that they wouldn't have a truck that had like an arm on it. Yeah. Because I was just like, but I was like, but the lid will just fall in. Yeah. I was like, well, they must not have a truck with an arm. And then yeah. like, it really, I just got into the impracticalities of metal bins. Mm. Because if it's freezing cold, yeah. that's going to suck. It's freezing if it's shut. hot, mm-hmm. that's going to fucking suck. You're going to have to open that with an oven mitt. <laughs> like, I'm like, pretty sure they'd wear gloves. Is it just me who feels like this is an impractical bin type? Like, yes. it doesn't have wheels. So it's hard to move. It's hard mm. to carry. Like, the wheel Maybe bins this heavy. is why, like taking the trash out in like American TV shows and movies is so like they make it out to be this horrible chore yeah it's not that fucking bad like you, you empty the bin bag you put the bin bag in the wheelie bin outside and then you just roll it down the driveway like you're fine <laughs> well it's well, got wheels like it's got a hand like it is specifically designed it's got a wheelie bin yeah <laughs> like it's specifically designed, designed to be wheeled and my neighbours fucking love to take out their damn wheelie bins and when hey, we're we recording know, 
We know in Canada, because we were talking to Abigail, Abigail, and they said about Canada, they do have normal wheelie bins. So maybe it's just America that doesn't. Or maybe they do now, but they didn't used to. Because maybe Sesame it's like Street, specific like sections of America, like specific yeah, states. Because in, that. in Sesame Street, Oscar the Grouch lives in one of those tin candy they bins. They do. So, yeah, anyway, look, I recognize that the bin type is not the most important part of this episode, but it really did bother me. <laughs> the most important part of this episode is just how bad the special effects looks with like all the demons like swirling in the. Look, I think the effect they use for one demon the is really. Effective. But when they put a bunch of it together... You're right. Yeah, it looks very strange. The one individual, like, tornado-y, like, effect, actually pretty strong. Yeah, I have no issues with that. I think it's very effective. It does the job really well. I think it works really nicely. But then they did, like, all of the demons. Yeah. It it looks... You're right. It looks... I think it's because if they have one individually, it's a lot more detailed. Mm. But then if they have a lot of them, it's just kind of a mass, and it's not... It looks more fake, mm. which is confusing. Yeah. I want to talk about how... And we haven't really covered it to this point, actually. And I'm surprised that we haven't. The way that demons are shown to possess people. Because it is... I mean, obviously, the act of possession is incredibly invasive. Yeah. Particularly given that demons do not, like, have get consent. They don't they just permission. They just go for it. They just require you to be in a state where they can exploit others. Yeah. But just, like... So later in the series, we have things with, like, ghost possession. Mm. And in that instance, from memory, the ghost just kind of, like, walks into the person. Yeah. Right? And it's, like, it's still invasive, obviously. Yeah. And there's still consent issues, obviously. But it's much less of a, like, forceful depiction. Yeah. Like, I don't know why we haven't really talked about it yet, but the smoke, like, literally forcing itself through your mouth into your body like it's so in invasive is the right yeah. word but it's also not the right word like it's not horrific enough yeah do you know what i mean well yeah i know what you mean like i'm trying to think like there's a word that i can think of but i can't think of the word you yeah, know it's just i think the combination of not only that it's a foreign body entering you without your consent obviously people generally don't know what a demon is so they don't know what the fuck is going on so there's like the fear and then there's also just the because it's going down your throat like you assume you also can't breathe and like just so much of that particular image choice yeah the visuals and like just the, the implications of it i don't know like it's uncomfortable to watch which it's supposed to be yeah I guess what I'm saying is it's an effective choice, like creative yeah. choice. But I just, I realised we'd never talked about it before. Yeah. Like, not specifically. To be fair, though, I don't think they really, like, this episode is really the first one where they really show it. I mean, like, I've seen it, like, before, but this felt different. More, it, the focus seemed to be on the yeah. actual invasion more yeah. than when it has been previously. Yeah. Previously, it's been more about, like, the implications of, oh, they're possessed now, like, they're... Yeah. They're essentially, like, meat suits for a demon. Yeah. Versus, like, this, which is actually, like... Focusing on the act of the possession. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I didn't really have much else to say about it. I just thought it was probably worth mentioning because yeah. we just have We do that a lot. We watch episodes and we, like... We completely... <laughs> we completely ignore, like, one element and then we, like, stop the recording and we're like, oh, we should have... Probably talked about yeah, that. Yeah, we should have talked about this incredibly important detail. Detail. That we just... Um, instead of focusing on dumb shit like I'm about to, I have another question for Americans. Okay. Culturally, yep. 
why do y'all like flags so much? Because I swear, every TV show, every fucking movie, every, like, YouTube video I see out of America, everyone's got fucking flags. And, like, primarily American flags. Yeah. But every now and again, you know, you've got pride flags and you've got this flag and that flag. It's so rare to see a flag on someone's house in Australia. And if you do, it's usually, like, an A4 size ratty fucking Australia flag yeah. from, like, 30 years ago as a, at a residential address. Otherwise, yes. it's like, oh, it's a government building or a school. Or, like, a hospital or, like... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, government yeah. building. Like, although I guess they're not all government, but, you know. Yeah. It's usually some kind of... Official building. Yeah. Of some sort. But I swear, it's just like, why do you all just have flags? I don't get it. Do you just... Like, is it part of the, like, welcome to the neighbourhood package? I don't... Like, we can request pictures of the Queen from the post office. Yeah. Which is just hilarious. You can just get a picture of Lizzie. I don't know. Can you just... Do you just go to the post office and request a flag? Do they have to give you one? Is it... Is it part of your, like, democratic... But also, even, like, in media I've seen out of America, it's not just, like... It's not just, like, outside of people's homes. Like, they have flags, like, in every classroom and shit and stuff in school settings. It's like, why? Like, like my school had one flag. No, we had two flags, but only one Australian flag. One was the Aboriginal Aboriginal flag. flag. Yeah. And, like, we had two flagpoles. One had the Australian flag. One had the the Aboriginal flag. flag. Yeah. You don't even really see them for, like, Australia Day. Maybe you have, like, a flag bath towel or some shit like that. Like, beach Yeah, towel. that you got as, like, a yeah. shitty gift from, like, an uncle who you don't yeah. know very well. Yeah. Or maybe you've got, like, Australian flag thongs. They're really common. Australia flag thongs are very common, yes. <laughs> that just means my shoe's broken. I had to go buy new ones. From cheapest chips. <laughs> from cheapest chips, yeah. Anyway, I just... Again, unimportant. I just... I'm so curious because I see it all the time and it makes no fucking sense to me. Um, okay, so moving on to the actual episode. Okay, yeah. Um, I do have another question. This one's for Sam. Okay. My question is, Sam, why would you go into that motel room? You know what Dean's up to in that motel room. Yeah. Don't open the door. And then don't be fucking surprised when... <laughs> like, he's just watched, like, again, creepy through the window. Like, he's I, just... Sam go- watching like, women become shirtless through windows. And, like, not- okay, this time there's, like, a sheer curtain... <laughs> It's not but, the, the theme that I expected to notice rewatching this show. He clearly sees her take her top off. Yeah. Through, like, the sheer curtain in the window. There's not much speculation no. about what is happening in it's that room. It's very clear what... They be fucking. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I didn't need to see it. It's like, you fucking open the door! It's like, it's a part of you I never wanted to see, Dean. It's like, well, you should have closed your eyes, Sam. Like, what were you thinking? Oh, baffled me. Actually, we did get a lot of... Well, not a lot, but we did get a couple of other instances of, like, sibling dynamic mm. moments with the brothers yeah. this episode. I really liked the uh, the part where Dean and Bobby are sitting in the car and they're, like, watching the bar. Mm. And then Sam shows up and, like, whacks the window and scares the shit out of yeah. Dean and then, like, shoves the chair forward so he's, like, all crunched up so they can get in the back. I just thought that was really fun. We're also introduced to some new characters in this we episode. Are? Tamara and her husband Isaac. Yes. Um, who immediately like knocks Dean out yeah. straight on his back. <laughs> right. Who then do the thing that Bobby is like. Maybe Bobby's just exceptionally smart for a hunter. Because they also wanted to do exactly what Dean and that wanted to do. And just yeah. running half cocked. Yeah. Without all the information. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Bobby is 
excellent. Bobby is not just a, like a father figure. What's the word I'm looking for? Like role model to Sam yeah. and Dean. He's like father figure role model to like the hunting community. Like yeah. everyone looks up to Bobby. He's just that good. Like he has that cool head for so much of the show. What were your thoughts on Tamara and Isaac? So I do have thoughts. I want to go sort of chronologically in what we see of them. Yeah, yeah. That First up, they call out Sam and Dean for what happened with the Gates of Hell. Which yeah. I would like to say is systematically unfair. Yeah, that's what I was going to say Because here's the thing. Did they do a great job? Yeah, probably not. Is it better than if nothing had happened at all? Yeah, what if yeah. they were just like, all right, and then just walked out of there? Like, like okay, they probably could have avoided the Gates of Hell being opened at all. But also, if they hadn't been there... It would have been a million times worse. It would have been a million times worse. Yeah. Because the gates of hell would probably still be open because if they'd been open for a substantial amount of time, you cannot tell me that anyone would, would have managed to be able to get that shut again. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if they had managed to, like, if the demons had managed to fortify that... Oh, yeah. There's like, no fucking way. Like, if they had managed to... If the demons had managed to establish that as, like, their entry and exit... In and out of, like, that would be the most fucking difficult thing to, like, fortress. Yeah. To to deal with. Yeah. Like, they're very lucky that they had boots on the ground. Yeah. At the moment of it opening. And also, from what I've seen in the first two seasons, like, no one else was even noticing all of the weird, like, nursery fires and all of the other clues that the Winchesters and Bobby and Joe and Ellen managed to piece together exactly. to even get half an idea about what was happening. If yeah. Mary hadn't died, John didn't become a hunter, Sam wasn't raised as a hunter and wasn't personally impacted by the things that were happening, they would have no fucking idea about what was happening. Mm. The uh, bloody Demon well, Blood Hunger Games would have happened unimpeded because no one would have known what happened. They would have killed him. He would have found... No one would know that they were going to open the gate of hell. And no one would have been there. In, what's interesting is if Sam had been the sole survivor of, yeah. as you aptly described, the Demon Blood Child Hunger Games, yeah. I would argue there is no fucking way he would have gone. And, like, like Jake was able to be manipulated. Yeah. Sam wouldn't be. Yeah. Not in the same way. No. Like, it, it, yeah. Just as a character, like, because he has that such a strong, like, idea of the yeah. supernatural universe. And because Jake had a normal family that could be manipulated like that, yeah. Sam doesn't have that. Exactly. And what is really interesting, and this is something that I couldn't talk to you about before you knew about the demon, demon blood. Yeah. If Mary hadn't died, Sam would still have had the demon blood. Yeah. So he would have been raised in a normal household. But he still would have been He would have been kidnapped. probably like Jake. Yeah. Or Ava. Which would have completely Andy. changed. So we can't guarantee that if Sam hadn't grown up on the road, he wouldn't have been just as easily manipulated. Yeah. So like there's a there's a argument to be had that if Sam had been the winner mm. of the Demon Child Hunger Games, having not been raised by John, yeah. he may have intentionally opened the gates to hell rather than being trying to forcibly close it. And I would like to say to that that John could have raised his sons as hunters without doing all oh, the emotionally oh, manipulative, abusive this shit is that he not did. me defending no, John. But I'm sorry, if you think the fact that John's parenting ended up meaning that Sam essentially saved the world, at least at this stage, 
There was ways that John could have done that without being an abusive asshole. Yeah, I would like, like to. I would like to specify this is not John apologism one iota. No, this is because Sam has knowledge of the situation because yeah. he understands where he is because he knows about demons because he knows about hell and because, because he knows he the ha- implications has... of what the demon is asking him to do. Exactly. Otherwise, Sam would have been in Jake's position where he had a family that the demon could threaten and manipulate to coerce him into this action. Whereas, like you say, Sam as he is, that doesn't really exist. At this point... He can still threaten people like Dean and Bobby. Mary's dead, Jess is dead, Dean is alive, but Dean is also competent. He's competent. He he knows how to deal with demons. Yes, Dean has the same information that Sam has. Yeah. He has a better chance. And he's also backed up by Bobby and Ellen and Joe and, you know, all these people. And it's also a matter of, like... He's not a civilian. Yeah. And, like... Sam has that backup that he knows that Dean is looking for him and stuff, whereas, like, Jake and that don't have that. No one knows where to look for them. Yeah. No one knows what's happening. They know they're missing, gone. but they don't know. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, I just thought that was worth quickly mentioning because you, you said about yeah. Mary's death. But, no, so, yeah, it's very important to know that, like, this could have played out the exact same way. Sam still could have probably actually prevented a lot more shit from happening if John had been a pe- better parent. So, like, oh, yeah. It always comes back to John should have yeah. been a better parent. But while we're talking about other hunters blaming the Winchesters, because yeah. I also thought that was a weird sort of jump for them to make. Yeah. I want to know, like, if I was in that situation, if I was a hunter and I had heard through the grapevine, oh, those bloody Winchesters, they're at it again. They have more problems than they're solving. They've, yeah, yeah, they've managed to open a fucking gate to hell. We've got all these demons. If I thought for one second that they had intended for that to happen or that it was their incompetence that allowed that to happen or like if I thought that was actually their fault yeah. and not just a shitty situation that they happened to be present for yeah then I would want to keep my eye so fucking close on them like I don't understand why these hunters would want to be like no we want to put distance between you and us because you did this horrible thing I would be like Keep your enemies close. Yeah. You know, like, I would want to know where they're at, what they're thinking, what they're doing. Because if that's the information that you have, how do you know they didn't intentionally open the gates of hell? You know? You assume they wouldn't because they're hunters. But also, hunters, we know, have very different ideas of what is and isn't okay when it comes to hunting. Yeah. We look at Gordon. We look at Tamara and Isaac. We look at the Winchesters. We look at Ellen and Joe. Like, there is very different. We look at Bobby. Very different strategies, very different thought processes, you know, histories that are different. Mm. And so, yeah, that's what confused me. It's like, if I thought that they had intentionally done this or that it was actually, like, their fault through incompetence or something, I would be like, right, well, I'm not, like, taking my eye off of you in case you fuck up again (laughs) and make it worse, you know? Yeah. It's like, could they have done better? Yeah, probably. Would the situation have been worse if they didn't do anything? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Arguably way worse. Like... Okay, like, I just, I think it's very unfair. Like, I honestly don't think John, Dean, and Sam are particularly, like, good hunters. Like, I don't think they're, like, the gold standard everyone should want to be a hunter like them. Yeah. But I also do know for a fact that it would have been worse if they did nothing. Like, yeah. Like, they didn't make the situation worse. By the time people realised what was happening, it was too late. Like, yeah, exactly. They did what damage control they could do, but, like, also ultimately, like, it's it's spanned over 20 years. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> This demon's been trying this fucking shit for 20-odd years to yeah, try and work out. You like, know, and it comes back to our discussion about him saying generations. generations. So, yeah. like, clearly he's been... And no one else in the hunting community... Like, maybe they've heard whispers of, like, something big going... Like, happening. Yeah. But, like, no one else was close enough... To connect to those dots. any puzzle pieces together. So, like, Dean, Sam, and John put together, like, 
80% of the puzzle. I would argue that's, more like 98. That, that's <laughs> still 70 odd percent more than anybody else. Yeah. If anyone else even noticed the patterns. Like, like okay, the, the puzzle wasn't complete. It was missing pieces. But at least they could see, like, the general picture. Like, they could yeah. make out what it was. It's like looking at a dot to dot that you haven't drawn the lines for yet. Like, yeah. you can see all the bits. You just got to work it out. Whereas there are other people who didn't even know it was a dot to dot. Yeah. They're just looking at, like, isolated events. Yeah. Anyway, we got a little bit sidetracked. We were talking about uh, Tamara and Isaac. They are, like, do they do this often where they're like, oh, this hunter's actually, like, really bad at hunting? <laughs> you know, um, like, it just seems to me if these people were this bad at hunting, they'd be dead already. Like, thinking on, to be fair, I, I don't think this is, like, spoiler-esque, so I'm not going to worry about it, but we don't see Tamara again, and obviously we don't see Isaac again. Thinking on all of the hunters that we come across through the series, I feel like most of them are pretty competent, especially ones that we end up having as recurring. Like they're recurring because they're competent? Well, they don't die, which helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, or at least they don't die as early. But yeah, like thinking on like, I don't know, I don't want to give names because mm. spoiler reasons, but like just thinking of like some fan favorite like hunters that we get through the series, they're all pretty competent. I think that in this instance, maybe they use sort of their rush tactic to kind of illustrate why Bobby didn't want Sam and Dean to use the rush tactic. Because we do have the conversation in the car where Dean's like, all right, well, let's get in there. And Bobby's like, are you a fucking idiot? I just said, we don't know what we're walking into. Like, take a fucking second to consider the situation. Like, okay, the options are, it's a single demon in a bar. Or the options are, the entire fucking bar's possessed because you know a hundred demons just got released from the gates yeah, of hell. exactly. And so by having Tamara and Isaac make that bad decision, it allows us as the audience to see that Bobby was correct without having to put Sam and Dean in that situation. Though I will say that scene is prime time for the holy water guns. <laughs> get like a super... Like, because they're doing it with like, yes! the flask. Yeah, oh my god, I love that! Like a little spray bottle. Yeah, <laughs> like like when you're training a cat, <laughs> you just spritz them with a little bit of water when they try and claw the couch. Could you make a gun like a water gun, right? That turns water into holy water, like as a mechanism? Yeah, it's like because like, if you can make a magic gun that shoots magic bullets, surely you can make a gun that converts a all magic water to super holy. Soaker. Yeah, that converts all water to holy water. I mean, I don't know. I don't know because. It has to have the, like, words spoken over it. So maybe it's a super soaker with, like, the words, like, inscribed. inscribed. Well, because I'm thinking, like, you could probably have a holy water producing factory because you could have it playing over speakers as the water moves through the... So does it work if it's playing over speakers? It... Or does it have to be so a person? You can... And if so, does that mean if you had a holy water factory, you'd have somebody whose job is literally just to stand there all day and <laughs> just read, like... read the incantation over I keep saying incantation. It's not an incantation, but yeah. you know what I mean. Like, well, maybe. I remember seeing, do you remember we've talked about before, like, salt hula hoops and, yeah. like, silver rings and stuff. I remember around about the same time, so, like, 2014, 15, people talking about how they should just have uh, exorcisms recorded as voice memos mm-hmm. on their phones <laughs> so that they can just, like, play them or, like, have them on, a, like, even yeah. a cassette so they can put it in, like, a, a player. Yeah. And I assume if that would work, then holy water blessings would work. That's a fun little thought experiment. Although I will say, the first, when they like, so they like smash the 
the wall in with the car yeah. and then they will jump out and they're like throwing the holy water or whatever. The first scream that comes out of the demons when Bobby like throws the holy water is comical. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's just like, it's like... That actor <laughs> made a choice. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's hilarious. It just feels so out of place. I don't know what it is about it. It just, it feels very isolated compared to the rest of the scene. I think it is worth noting that Isaac dies and I would argue it's probably one of the more horrific. Yeah. Horrific is probably the word I would use to describe. It's yeah. This death, like we've had bloody deaths up to this point, but just something about the way they shot it and like the effect, the horror, the fact, I think it doesn't help that he did it to himself. No. Like, and obviously it's not, it's not a suicide. Like he didn't choose to do it to himself, but yeah, you're right. Just the between the method of death, yeah. between the fact that he was forced to do it to himself, the fact that you've got Tamara screaming in the background, mm-hmm. that you've got the demons laughing as it happens and goading him on, it just everything and also, about like, the, it. The drain cleaner like dripping visual, down and hitting the floor, and, and then like the coughing up of the blood, blood and, and everything about it is just we haven't seen anything like it in the show to date. No. It's certainly a scene that you don't forget about quickly. Yeah. It definitely was one of the... It is probably the most horrific scene, I think, so far. In the series? In the series. Yeah. I've seen. I'm assuming they'll probably top it at some point, but... I think, though, it's worth mentioning, like, it was a horrible scene, mm. but I think that kind of means it was done well. It was effective. Yeah. While it was horrific and it... That was the intent. That was the intent. Like, they didn't do, like, a Tall Tales where, like, something should have been funny, but it was actually horrific. Like... Mm. This was straight horror. Yeah. It, it was not meant to be framed as, like, comedic or... Like, it is framed to be horrific. Like... Yeah. And it was horrific, which means that it did its job. There was no tonal mishmash. Yeah. We've talked a lot about how Supernatural is a group project where everyone has a different idea. This scene is very cohesive. Yeah everyone was on the same page about what was going on in this scene. And it's very, very effective, like you said, because of that. But no, it certainly is unpleasant to view. And then, of course, we have his reanimated corpse. The The concept of using your dead loved ones to torture you is something that is... Reoccurring. Reoccurring in Supernatural, like, a lot, like... Up to the second last episode of the show. So I think it's worth noting that this is one of the first sort of instances of it. Obviously through the first season particularly, we had a lot of Sam seeing Jess everywhere, but that was less of a tactic. And more in being accidentally psychic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this is like... But they never actually confirm whether it is actually like a side effect of him being psychic or if it's A manipulation by the demon. We, or if it's just him imagining shit because he's... And they never confirm that. Ever. That's yeah, so it's funny, like, going back to the first season, you see Jess, and I was like... I, when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot that yeah. he... Like, and I, like, knew that he yeah. saw Jess everywhere, but I was like, I forgot that they never explained this. He just We don't know her. if it was the demon being manipulative, whether it yeah. was his powers resurfacing in another way. Or if it was just or his was grief, just or, you his know... His grief. It's never, it's never confirmed, but... 
Yeah, it's it's definitely an uh, a recurring sort of narrative device is that they have people's deceased loved ones come back as like a form of emotional manipulation or torture or or whichever way it pans out. Let's move on to some bigger overarching plot stuff because yeah. I think there's some little clues in this episode. Ooh, yes. Tell me, tell me, tell me. They sprinkled them in there. Specifically, 17 cities. Yeah. think that's going to be significant later on. Okay. 17. They gave us a specific number. Yeah, they that, They had like demon sightings above 17 cities. And they know. both said it like simultaneously yeah. and yeah, yeah. think it's going to be significant. Don't know how yet, but I think it's a clue. Okay. Cool, cool. Also... When the demon is talking to Sam, yes, talking to Sam because he he says about how no one will have to bow to him. Oh, is this um Pride? Yes. When he's confronted by Pride? Yeah, When he's okay. confronted by Pride. Pride yeah. is saying about how since the yellow-eyed friend died, died yeah. no one's going to have to bow to Sam now. Yeah, they actually refer to Sam as the boy king. Yeah. Again, don't know how it's going to play out. You're not yet. sure how it's relevant, but, but it's obviously, worth noting. It indicates that he was trying to basically breed these children for well, we know higher that, office. Yeah, exactly. Well, we know that um, the demon wanted one of these sort of uh, psychic children to be like the leader. Champion, the leader. Yeah, like, so in theory, these, these well, they're not really demons. They are, but they're not. The seven deadly sins should have then deferred to Sam's direction. Yeah. But obviously because... The demon is dead. That didn't really... And also because Sam has rejected his that place. Yeah. Has rejected that role of mm-hmm. the leader of hell. Yeah. While we're quickly on happen. that scene... Yeah. I do detest, through the core of my being, the here's Johnny line. It's not good. It's so unnecessary. Yeah. It's so jarring. It's this weird fucking zoom. It pulls yeah. you out of it completely. I hate it. Whoever's decision that was, I hate it. I'm sorry. I hate it. And that might just be me. I don't even have the words. I just, I detest it. All they had to do was kick the door in. Like they could have had almost any other line, any other like threat or quip or anything, but they went for fucking here's Johnny and just the choice of the zoom and the choice of the delivery and the choice. I just, everything about it was bad. And I'm usually pretty forgiving yeah. of Supernatural. Like, is this Bethany's first, like, direction critique? I think so. Because you've certainly, like, and I've Kim, certainly had... Kim Manners, too. And Kim Manners is usually excellent. Yeah. Because there's certainly been times where I've been like, oh, I didn't really like this. And you're like, yeah, I can see like how that would be the case. But, like, yeah. I don't think you've ever I've never said I de- I've never said I detest something before. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I think the direction for this episode, for the most part, is very good. I think it's interesting. We get a lot of shots that are sort of from the bottom up. I forget what the term yeah, is. I, but, you know, they're, they're different. We get a lot uh, when they're I think opening the doors. Where things. they really do, like, when Dean's been, like, knocked out and it's and sort of it's over. Yeah, Dean, yeah. Good shot. I really liked that choice. I think that was really effective. It was a really fun shot. Yeah, and it's different to what we usually see. And, actually, it's interesting because we talked about in the first episode of the second season, we had a lot of those interesting shots that the angles were changed and yeah. it, it showed, I think we said it, we were talking about it, showing disorientation. And this is similar, but it's... A different kind of disorientation. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the direction throughout the most of this episode was actually fantastic. Like, it was written by Eric Kripke. It was directed by Kim Manners. There is no reason this episode shouldn't be one of the strongest. Mm. But 
for some fucking reason that here's Johnny Lyon. I don't know what Eric was drinking that day, but he, I think he may have stayed up too late and had too much caffeine. That's my bet. <laughs> it confirmed a few things and it made me have a batshit insane idea. Okay. You, you love it when I have batshit insane. I adore your batshit insane ideas. Look, I haven't even met this character yet, but I want to posit a theory. Okay. You're looking at me like I'm going insane. I'm like, what character could you possibly be talking about? I mean, there's a lot of characters you haven't met yet. Yeah. There's 15 seasons worth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. Which, um, tell me. So, this is insane and I don't think it's true, but I just thought it was something really fun. So, I know there's a character called Crowley who becomes a leader of hell. Yeah. That was something that you knew from the get-go, yeah. from like Osmosis. From Osmosis, from like Tumblr gift sets. Like, yeah. I'd be new. <laughs> They were also talking about previous generations of special children. Yes, we've covered that a couple How of times. How insane would it be if he was one of the previous generations of special children? Crowley. Then, yeah, Crowley. He then went on to become a demon. I mean, I can't... I mean, I know it's wrong. I'm not expecting you to say it's wrong. I'm just like... That would be very cool. If it was the case, that would be very cool. Like, and now he's like... Like, in that sort of like the path they were expecting like Sam to follow to become oh, the king of hell. I see. Like, so, like, each generation, they breed, like, a new set to find a new leader of hell. Huh. So, like, instead of having an election, yeah, they have a Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the whole idea is, like, maybe not, It's maybe it's not, like, a set time frame or something. It's not, like, you know, like, term limits. Yeah. Maybe it's whenever a demon gets really sick, like, a powerful enough demon gets sick of, like, what the current leader of hell's doing. Sure. They breed a new generation. Oh. And so it's sort of like... Hell politics. Yeah, it's like hell politics. Like, it's not, like, specifically, like, it's like, I've had enough of this bitch, like, I'm going to yeah. <laughs> You think, uh, like, at some point Meg gets sick and tired of, like, whoever's in charge of hell yeah. is just like, fuck this, I'm going to go put some blood in some babies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. No, that's a fun theory. That's a fun theory. Yeah. I think... Uh, I don't think it's correct. But You I think will find fun. out. I mean, obviously, like you said, you know about Crowley already. You'll find out about Crowley's backstory. So you'll get to find out yeah. how accurate or inaccurate your uh, thoughts are on that. Yeah. Um, so that'll be fun. Um, I mean, I don't think that's how it works. I don't think they specifically <laughs> have to be, like, psychic children with demon blood. Like, I don't, you don't think... think it's, like, a lineage of hell yeah. leaders? No. I don't actually think it's that. But I think that would be, like, really fun. While we're still talking about demons, yep. and while we've just come out of talking about new characters, we do have another new character who's introduced this episode. We know basically nothing about her, except that she has a knife that can apparently kill demons. So. From Osmosis. I know, like, angel blades are a thing. Yeah. Is there, like, a demon equivalent? Like, a demon blade? Or is it just, like, the same thing and it works on both? So. It's not really. It's, it's not plot relevant, so yeah. I, I will tell you, but, like... Weapons, so certain weapons, like, are only effective against certain things. Like, so for example, like, the demon knife, right, as we have it, it kills demons. Yeah. Obviously. But it is... Revolutionary. I know. It is still in function. Yeah. A knife. So, like, the same way that the cult is just a gun, it's just a gun that has the magical ability to kill supernatural beings. Like, Mm. so if you stabbed a person with that knife, it would still kill them. Yeah. Like, in no, functionality. That, that's not what I'm... But, but with the, like... With demons, it will kill them. But if you tried to stab any other supernatural being that is generally impervious to knives, 
then it's not gonna. So it is. It is. It's like, a specifically. It, it's not the same thing. Like it's. It's not like because I've heard of angel blades. Yeah, I've heard of angel blades in. It's not the same thing. It's no, just like they the, are separate. It's just like the demon equivalent. Mm. It's just a knife that specifically works against demons. Like it works against anything that's susceptible Knifeable. to a knife. Yeah, <laughs> but like it, it's just specifically just like it's. It can kill demons where, like, a normal knife couldn't. Yeah, it's like a demon yeah. blade. Like, and you've got the edge of it's a deep, like, deep. Yeah, and um, Bobby actually mentions at the end of the episode that he, you know, would never, never have heard had of not it. known. And that's important because Bobby is, like, our resident demon guy. So the fact that he doesn't know is really interesting. And obviously this character, we don't even know her name. Yeah. She just kind of waltzes in, slashes some throats and leaves. Yeah. Earlier in the episode, we see her, like, sort of, stalking Sam a little bit. Yeah. Do you have any... Oh, and she knows who Sam is. She calls him by name. Do you have any thoughts about... Like, I don't know if you have any ideas about who this character might be. I think she's either... Like, there's probably, like, three things she could be. Okay. She could be a hunter with just more information than Bobby has. Mm Mm-hmm. She could be a demon that's going against hell. Mm Mm-hmm. For whatever reason. Or she could be some other supernatural being that we have yet, yet to, to be meet. disclosed. Yeah. Those okay. are sort of the three avenues that you can see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that's cool. Um, I just thought I'd ask, and like I didn't expect you to know much because yeah, we get but like here's fucking the fun nothing. Thing. My three avenues cover literally everything. every possibility. <laughs> so you can't be wrong. Because she's either a human, she's a demon, or she's something Thing else. else. <laughs> That's okay. I really, I really didn't expect you to have any particular like ideas on direction. I was just interested to see if you kind of like. Sometimes you will just like take a, something that I've never even noticed, and you yeah. just have developed a whole theory about it. So I thought, well, they. It seems to be they gave us nothing, but just in case Jamie found something in that, I'll ask. But we will learn more about who she is. Actually, I think she's back even in the next episode. So, so we'll get a little bit more uh, insight into that situation. Yeah. One of Ooh, if she is a demon, it could play into my politics theory. It could play into your politics theory, yeah. Imagine if it was Meg back. Oh, Meg in a new vessel? Yeah. I mean, that's a theory. And, like, Meg's chaotic enough to do it. Mm. Oh. And also, like, last time, she was pretty evident that she was not impressed with Hell. Yeah, that's true. So saving Sam, who Hell is not impressed with at the moment, is sort of like, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Mm. That's or rather, a fun theory. I'll save the enemy of my enemy to spite my enemy. Yeah. No, okay, I like that. Although... I don't think it is bad, but, like, I think that'd be very fun. Yeah. I think that is fun. I think that is also, like... I think if it was Meg, they would have just straight up revealed it was Meg. Yeah, and I think that her character is so... Like, we've seen a couple of different actors portray Meg at this point, yeah. and we've seen pretty um, static characterization. I feel like it would have been probably very obvious Yeah. in characterization, unless they're trying to go for a plot twist. Yeah. I think it's really interesting what you, like, are saying about Sam being, like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend in terms of, like, if someone is against hell where they're like, well, Sam is – clearly hell doesn't like him. I think that that's a really fun observation and I think you should definitely keep that in mind. We've talked a lot about Sam. Yeah. I do want to briefly touch on Dean. Would you you like to start the conversation? You seem like you've got some thoughts. (laughs) Oh, I'm just thinking of, like – you can't leave Dean alone, can you? Even no. in an episode that's primarily about Sam, you're like, let's talk about Dean. I Look, yeah. I only want to talk about him very briefly because this is going to be something that we will continuously come back to through this season. But I want to just quickly talk about the fact that he is refusing 
to acknowledge the severity of the situation that he is in. Yes. Just flat out. Like, he is cracking jokes. Sam's trying to be nice to him. He's, like, doing the fake over-exaggerated cough thing. Like, you know, I've only got so much time to live. And, you know, and, and this shit. I'm like, I die in a year anyway. Why the fuck would I eat a burger for breakfast? Exactly. Like, like, he has no self-preservation left. Like, every single opportunity he has to be like, I'll stay and buy you guys some time or whatever. He's taking that. And they're all like, Dean, it's a fucking suicide mission. He's like, who cares? I'm dead already. Like, it's like, I've only got, like, what? 360 odd days left. Exactly. Like, whether that's now or in a year's time, like, I'm... Either way, I'm dead. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to to bring that up because it is obviously, like, his defense mechanism for him to cope with the situation he is in is to just pretend it's a big joke. But also, for him, I don't think he thinks the situation's that severe. He has been facing death since he was a child. Like, why would he want to acknowledge it now that it's guaranteed? Like... Because, and I think this is the key difference, before, and we saw this in the beginning of the season, uh, the second season, when he was going to die and he asked Tessa, where do I go? And she said, I can't tell you. There is a possibility that he ends up in heaven, right? Or the equivalent thereof. In this instance, he knows he's going to hell because that's how it works. I think it's very different to think well, I should be dead already anyway, so, like, I sort of still got more time than I should have, to when I die, I am going to hell, and that is a guarantee. I think it's more of a case of, like, self-punishment, because he feels guilty, because he feels like he deserves to be punished, because he lived instead of the jogger, because John went to hell for him, because, do you know what I mean? I think it also ties into, like, okay, he may have thought, like, oh, maybe I'll get to go to heaven, but... I think there's also a chance that he feels so guilty about everything that's happened. He assumes he'd go to hell either he way. He assumes that he'd go to hell, whether whether he made the demon deal or not. Like, he yeah. sort of assumed that he was going to go to hell. Regardless. Regardless. Because, let's face it, John Winchester just, like... Fucked that kid up. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, I just... Self-worth? Haven't heard of it. <laughs> and, look, like I said, this is going to be something that comes up a lot through the season because, obviously, it's, like... The it's main... the threat looming over the season. Exactly. And it you is... know, the first season was like whatever it is With that John. killed. John's gone missing and the demon is the main thing. Yeah. And then it's like the threat of what did John know but they didn't. That's yeah. now going to come back and bite them. Yeah. In terms of the demon thing. And now it's like the demon's dead, but now the threat holding over the season is like... What's going to happen with Dean? Yeah. And it is also a shorter season this season. It's yeah. only 16 episodes, which means that you kind of get to that pinnacle point a lot faster. Yeah. Oh, quickly before we move off, Dean, the comment about Mardi Gras, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't think I need to elaborate on why that's relevant. Dean is by. Yeah. He could have made any joke about, I was it Michigan or whatever state they were talking about. Like, I don't even remember. I just wanted to point it out. Okay. Well, I do think I want to point out is like, why the fuck do three demons go, like, Bobby gets one demon. Yes. Dean gets one demon. Yes. Sam gets three. I think it's the boy king thing. I have to assume they think he's more of a big shot, you know? Like he's more of a threat. Yeah, but, like, you make a good point because it does seem like a weirdly split situation. It's not like they get two, they get two, and they get one. Like, it's it's like one, one, three. Yeah, right. And, like, obviously it's so they can introduce the mystery woman at the end with Mm. the knife 
you briefly mentioned Bobby. I do want to touch on Bobby this episode because I love Bobby. Um, and I do think that Jim Beaver does a really good job in this episode of really walking that line between being supportive and being harsh. Yeah. Particularly when he's talking to Tamara and he sort of has a, a crack at her about, you know, we did it your way and you went in half cocked and look what happened. Like, we're going to do it yeah. my way now. But then he, like, takes a breath and he's like, I am sorry for your loss. And, like, you know that he's genuine in that. Yeah. Between that and, like, him, like, talking to Sam and Dean through the episode and stuff, I just, I feel like he's such a good character and I just really appreciate him. And I think that Jim Beaver does a great job in his portrayal. So I just wanted to, like, mention that and mention that particular moment between Bobby and Tamara because, obviously, she's in a terrible place. Like, I can't imagine being in her position. The fact that he's able to get through to her and acknowledge the situation I can't think of another way that he could have done it where it would have, where she would have listened. Yeah. You know? I think it's really interesting to look at the sins that the writers decided to send after them. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. Wrath goes after Tamara. Yeah. Gluttony's obviously the one that killed her husband. Yeah. They've sent Lust after Dean, which seems like a really uninspired choice. Yeah. It's, It's back to that stereotyping that we talked about in the season, the first season a lot. I think that would have been more interesting to sound like pride. I just want to quickly note, I related so hard to those fucking corpses that were covered in flies just looking like on the couch, like staring at the television. Because it has been a heat wave here of like mm. 40 degree days the last like week. And oh, I've been sweating. So speaking of that family, like Bobby pulls up, right? <laughs> How long is he waiting there between getting there and the brothers showing up? And, like, I know the family's dead, so it doesn't really matter. But, like, what if the family living there had been alive? Like, would they have just been watching this random car? Because, like, it's not, like, yeah. a driveway and a main road. It's not like they just, like, pulled out outside yeah, the house. Yeah, they are made... off the beaten track. They are off the beaten track. What would that family have thought? Because, like, how long was Bobby waiting? Like, were they just, I like... I don't know. To be honest Because I don't know you. about you, but, like, a car pulls up outside my house. I'm like, oh, who I'm the like, fuck is that? Like, I'm like... Is it Jamie? No. Who the fuck else could it be? (laughs) It could potentially be the case that Dean and Sam are still sort of staying with Bobby. Yeah, but they pull up separately. The family's dead anyway. It doesn't really matter. But also, like... Yeah, if they hadn't been. Oh, look. Lord knows. I just... I didn't even notice that. I think I was just distracted by the fact that this is one of the few episodes where we get to see Bobby not wearing a hat. It is a rare phenomenon. So when it happens, it's like a shock to the system. It's like he's naked. It's like he's naked. It's like when you see a dog without a collar and you're like, oh, nakey. Nakey, nakey, baby. But it's the Bobby supernatural version. It's like in the, the first episode of season two when Dean's like wearing not 17 layers and you're yeah. like, oh. Naked. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Speaking of the sins. Yeah. I do think you're right. I think it is interesting who they send after who. I think you're correct in saying that like having lost go after Dean is a bit on the nose. And I kind of wish that the seven deadly sins had been utilized in a more interesting way. Yeah. I do think that a lot of what makes it a compelling antagonist or them a compelling antagonists Mm. is the fact that they are so specific in those like categories. And I think that we could have developed that a lot more and it just kind of didn't. Yeah. Um, Which is sort of disappointing. I did want to talk about how envy manipulated that woman into murder murdering somebody over the shoes can you imagine being a bystander in that situation 
What gets me though? <laughs> so Envy's entire plan was like, I'm gonna cause chaos and pain and like moral damnation by making yeah. this one person cover these shoes. Yeah. What would have happened to their plan if the second lady who just had given the her shoes, the shoes had just given her the shoes? They're like, oh, yeah, they're not my size anyway. <laughs> oh, Lord knows. I don't know. Do they just go around and just like go through every object in the store that someone else is already looking at? And do they find one who's like, no, you can't have this? Oh, God knows. I tell you what, though, it's not that far off what working in retail is actually like. <laughs> People are that crazy. I always found it very funny that they were like, they are nice shoes. I, like, they're fine. Thank you. I, I don't think, them, I don't they're, think they're worth like... murdering no. over, which, look, honestly, I know he's manipulating her into it, but, like, still, I don't know. They weren't that nice. But, yeah, like, it's it's a pretty shitty plan on Envy's part. Well, like, look, he's out of practice. He hasn't mm. been in hell for the last however many millennia. I think maybe this storyline would have been more compelling if they dealt with each one of the sins individually. Yeah, well, that's kind if of what I was saying. If they just dealt with, like, pride this episode or something. And then, like, sort of, like, they get rid of pride and then at the end of the episode, Bobby's, like, connects yeah. the dots. That was pride. There's six more just like that. And then, like, they sort of come across them. So and I understand that-, that takes up quite a lot of episodes with the yeah. seven, but I do think it would have been... I think it would have made the Seven Deadly Sins as villains more compelling. more compelling. I think the Seven Deadly, Deadly Sins as a concept is fascinating. And honestly, yeah. you could have made them an overarching plot antagonist. Yeah. Like, really, because you're right. Like, there's enough there that you could focus individual episodes and, like, do whatever. This episode shows them in, impacting one person at a time. Yeah. But I guess, like, who's to say that they couldn't impact, like, an entire town or something? Yeah. Like, to, you know, make it more widespread. Yeah. I will say that there is another cohort of antagonists that they use in later seasons, like in the next couple of seasons, where they do do that much more effectively, where they're like, okay, we're going to focus on each individual member specifically. These demons are a set. They come together. Yes. In terms of mythology, they come together. We're going to deal with them one at a time and look at the implications of each of them each. individually. So yes. shoving them all into one episode and giving none of them any sort of screen time. Yeah, and they all, because um, they give them those episodes and that, that time, mm. those characters breathe. Like, I yeah. feel like I know nothing about, like, obviously, like, I know what lust is about. But I, I we, know nothing about we know the about, character that is lust, you know? We know about, like, gluttony. Mm-hmm. We know about sloth. And we know about pride. We don't barely touch the others. We barely touch the others. Like, yeah. And even those three, we get the most surface level interpretation because they don't have the time to flesh them out properly and make them more compelling. But yeah, I just wanted to let you know, like they do do that much more effectively in the next couple of seasons with a different like cohort of similar sort of thematic thing. Not like, not seven delete, but like similar in terms of like, these are, it's a similar concept, better executed. And it is because it is over a period of time yeah. rather than it being, like, one exclusive yeah. episode about it. I just think, like, the Seven Deadly Sins are such an ingrained, like, societal, like... It's weird to me that they took something so Not distinctive like, yeah. and, like, well-known and just gave it nothing. Like, I understand what they did with, like, vampires and werewolves and that because, like, there's not just one very, vampire. There's not very just generalised. There's not just one werewolf. Like, you can introduce law now and come back to it later but it's like the way like they dispatched it within one like i don't feel like they're gonna come back yeah no they don't yeah like and 
no, I agree. I think it's a lot of wasted potential. Exceptionally strong concept. Very poor execution. Mm. I think it's time for my PSA this week. Oh, yes. I forgot about your PSA. You always do. I, I'm always caught unawares. <laughs> what do you think my PSA is this week? Um, to be honest with yourself about your... I don't know how to use, like, what word to use, but, like, a, not flaws, but about your own, like, tendencies mm. and work on them if necessary. Use your self-awareness. <laughs> if you know that you're predisposed to, like, being envious of other people, you know, be self-aware about it, I guess. That's that's my guess. I don't know if that's correct. But no. I, th- I think this one's going to make you laugh. Okay. Well, that's good. I like In laughing. the way of, like... That's what you pulled from this episode. Okay. Like that that's what you've decided to go with. <laughs> sure. My PSA this week is don't base your opinions of other people on rumors. No, I think that's actually pretty accurate. I because that's exactly what, what Isaac and Tamara, Tamara do. Yeah. They, they heard these rumors that the Winchesters and as we covered earlier, okay, the Winchesters didn't like they probably could have done better. Just because they were involved doesn't mean it was their fault. Yeah. I think is the takeaway. Yeah. Like just because they were there doesn't mean that it's all on them. Yeah. Mm. That's like, like me standing on a like next to a road and watching a head-on collision happen and then someone coming up to me a week later and being like, "Why didn't you do something about that?" And I was like, "What what, what would you have liked me to do? Like, even yeah. though after the accident happened, I ran to the scene and I called the ambulance and I did CPR. Like, even though I did all those things, I, like, it's my fault that they yeah. had an accident because I was just there. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's stupid. That's my PSA for this week. I okay. think it's definitely one of my more uh, mundane and applicable ones. <laughs> one final thing that I would like to discuss with you because I do okay. think it's important. Yeah. Um, I know that I said I was done talking about Dean. I wasn't. That was a lie. I'm never finished talking about Dean. But at the very end of the episode, we have a heated discussion between yeah. Sam and Dean, uh, where Sam is saying, oh, you know, I've you know heard of this lady we could go see who might be able to help you. And Dean's like, nah. And Sam's like, what do you mean, nah? And he's like, nah means nah, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I have never... <laughs> You've just Australian I I was going to say, like, I... well, he, he says nah. <laughs> and I was like, I have never seen such an Australian this take is, on something. <laughs> this is probably, like, a decade old meme by the time we actually release this. But, like, like the, the nah meme going or something. Yeah, we nah. don't fucking say that. Oh, the we fucking... We say yeah nah a lot, where, but we don't... I hate that. And I see this N-A-U-R. on Tumblr a lot. N-A-U-R. I'm like, that... It's nah. It's nah. It's N-A-H. It's maybe N-A-R. Maybe. Yeah. But where the fuck is the U coming from? That'd be like nor. No. 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 And that's not that's not a fuck no. Say no, no. It's like door but with an N. Like no. No. It's nah. Yeah nah. It's yeah nah. Yeah nah. Or nah yeah. Except that's much more uncommon. It's just it's yeah nah, nah yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. See? Anyway, obviously like awesome. next thing he's gonna say she'll be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> just waiting for a mate. Yeah, yeah so she'll be right, mate. That's what his entire speech boils down to. If Supernatural was uh, made in Australia, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, obviously we have this discussion and Sam is like, you know what, you're a fucking hypocrite. And Sam's right. Yeah. Yes, Sam. Tell him he's a hypocrite because he fucking is. Because he's gone and done to you the same thing that John did to him. Mm -hmm. And he hated it when John did it to him. he hated it when John did it to him. And Sam makes that exact point. And he's saying, you know, how did you feel when when Dad did it to you? You were a mess. Like, I saw you. You were twisted up about it. And... 
Dean's like, yeah, well, this time I'm going to be the one who's dead, so I don't care. And Sam's like, well, I fucking care. And it comes kind of back to the, like, we talked a lot about how John's choice was selfish. And Sam even says to Dean, it's selfish what you've done. Yeah. And Dean's like, yeah, and I'm okay with that. He goes on to say that after everything I've done for this family, I think I'm entitled. Yeah. And I get that. I do. But I also am like, Sam's right. Like, you are being a complete hypocrite. Yeah. You are being, you have been selfish. Yeah. You've done exactly what you detested John for doing to you. For me, it's sort of like Dean sees it as, I have never been allowed to be selfish my entire goddamn yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. So I am being selfish this once. Like, I am allowed yeah. to do that this once. Yeah. You know, like, it's sort of... Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think that is exactly what he's saying. Yeah. And I think it's also a way of... Do you remember... And, like, Sam has a point, but also I do see where Dean's coming from. Yeah, and I think it's also a matter of... Do you remember when Bobby first found out that Dean had made the deal? Yeah. Dean said to him, like, at least this way my life will mean something. Yeah. And I think it's... Like, it all boils down to that. Like, he has to protect Sam. Yeah. And, like, he sees it as, like, well, Sam gets to live. Yeah. And that's the important thing. Yeah. Like, I am not forced to live without Sam. Yeah, sure. Like, that's the selfish side of it. Yeah. But it's also the side of it where it's, like, okay, but through this, Sam gets to live. Like, yeah. and I think that's how he rationalizes it to himself mm. a little bit. Like, yes, it's the I deserve a fucking, mm. you know, moment, I deserve a of, moment of self-indulgence, yeah. you know. And it's not, like, a shallow self-indulgence. Like, we see him drink to excess. Mm. We see him have meaningless sex. Mm. We Like, these things that are usually deemed to be indulgent. But they're also ultimately harmless. And with the exception of a couple of occasions, don't impact anyone but Dean. The episodes where it does, it is shown to impact, like, the hunt or whatever. Mm. Those episodes, I, if I'm remembering correctly, like, the couple of occasions I can think where he's, like, hungover or whatever for a hunt. But Providence, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was one of the ones where we said he was really out of character a lot of it. Those are episodes that really stand out, at least in my brain, as episodes where, like, the characterization just isn't consistent with the rest of the series. Yeah. This is a very self-indulgent thing that he's done, but he has rationalised that he deserves one self-indulgent thing. Yeah. And, yeah, like, it's it's nice that even though we can see objectively he has made a hypocritical, selfish decision, yeah. it's nice that you have the complexity to be able to see where he's coming from in it. Yeah. And it's like, you blame him, but you don't blame him. But also, if he hadn't brought Sam back, yeah. they would have never stopped the gates of hell opening and they'd all be in a worse situation again. And it's sort of like um, when we saw at the end of season two what is and what should never be. Mm. And we see that, yes, Dean has this life that he's always dreamed of where Mary's alive and John's dead and Sam's at school and he's engaged to Jess and all again John's dead and yeah and um you know Dean is in a relationship with this you know perfect person and like all these things then he turns on the news and he sees that all the people that he'd saved died and it's this it's very twisted really but it's it it's this sort of way that both Dean justifies to himself the choices that he's made but also the narrative justifies like itself like we can't let him be happy in the position that he wants to be in because then it would be all these people would die yeah like we can't we can't let him have a nice stable home because look at all these people you're saying that this one man's happiness to get yeah exactly and it's like you're gonna say this one man's happiness is more important it's it's like the trolley problem yeah but you run over dean or the hundreds of thousands of civilians that he saved 
Yeah. By doing what he does. And it's it's interesting because, it, yeah, like I said, it's not just Dean justifying to himself. It's the narrative ju- trying to justify to the audience. Yeah. And I think that's a very – it's a very interesting take. I think it's also if the narrative didn't justify the fact that Dean is kind of miserable – yeah. If they didn't justify of he's miserable but he's doing good, mm-hmm. if it, he's miserable but he's saving people, then us, the audience, would have the question of, well, why doesn't he just quit? Yeah, exactly. What is holding him to this life yeah. if he is miserable and it's not doing good in the world? Yeah. Why would he continue to do this? And it's really interesting. We even see this like textually acknowledged in the show. Like Again, in um, What Is and What Should Never Be, Dean goes to visit... John's grave and he has that monologue where he's saying you know why does it have to be us like why do we have to be the ones who don't get to be happy why do we have to sacrifice everything yeah and he's like and I know what you would say you would say well because it's worth it to save these other people think of all the people that you're helping think of all the lives you're saving and Dean's like but what about my life what about my happiness what about like I'm saving these people so that they can continue to have a life that I will never get to live. Yeah. And it's like, he's like, where is the fairness in that? And it's, he's right, you know? Anyway, we're getting a little bit, a little bit off topic. I do just want to um, highlight this one little bit at the end of the conversation where Dean says that, you know, he's, he's just tired. Mm-hmm. And it's like he sees a light at the end of the tunnel, which is... Sounds an awful lot like suicidal ideation. Yeah, but... which is very concerning and problematic. In and of itself. And this is actually the second time that Dean's talked about this because we also had the same discussion in Croatoan. Yeah. Where he says, I'm tired. I'm done. Like, I don't care. If I can't save you, I'm not surviving. Yeah, I just, you know, fuck it. And so that's quite upsetting because, you know, you don't want the character to be in that position. You don't want anyone to be in that position. But, you know, regardless, this is what he says to Sam. And he says, it's, it's like the light at the end of the tunnel. And Sam looks at him and he goes, yeah, Dean, that's hellfire. And I just love that line so much. Like, Dean's, like, talking about, like, you know, Sam, like, it's like it's the light. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And Sam's like, yeah, it's the flames of fucking hell. You're, like, it's a light. It's not one you should be running towards. I just really love that line. I think it's really funny. And I think it's a way to not end the episode on a downer. Yeah. Like, it's like all this very somber conversation. Dean's kind of suicidal. And then Sam's like, quirky (laughs) one-liner. And then it's like, end of episode. So that brings us to the end of our episode, which means it's time for Jamie to rate it out of five. I'm I'm debating between a two and a half and a three. Yeah. Because, like, it wasn't a bad episode. It was just very, like, I'm so disappointed that they didn't live up to the concept if, if it had done anything remotely interesting with the concept, if it had done anything remotely interesting with character development, I would feel comfortable giving it more. But, like, just two and a half. Like, it wasn't bad. It just was, like, very it's boring. Given definitely the overall forgettable, especially for a series, o- a season yeah. opener. Yeah. And that's me saying that. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't establish a new big bad. Prediction time. Now, the next episode is called The Kids Are All Right. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, predictions, fears? Look, I'm going to take a couple of stabs in the dark. Okay? Do it. Go for it. The, the title tells me nothing. I'm just going to go by, like, law of averages and statistics. <laughs> okay. I think we're going to get a ghost because we haven't had a ghost in a while. And Correct. ghosts were sort of the bread and butter, at least of the first season. I think they're going to find some more stuff out about the main plot. And I think there's also going to be a new big bad reveal. So you think that a lot is going to go down in this? Yes. Okay. 
which means I don't think it's going to be the main plot of the episode. So I think the main plot's going to be something like simple, a ghost. like a ghost. So it's sort of like a background while they discover a whole bunch more shit about what's actually happening. So you're um, expecting like almost like an exposition type. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting like a basic salt and burn for the, the main plot of the episode. Yeah. Because they're going to spend quite a bit of time developing... Other aspects. The overarching plot. That just about does us for today's episode. So thank you so much for listening. If you would like to interact with us anymore, you can always find Jamie over on Twitter at DriverPixPod. Um, I think it would be fun for you to send her your favourite outdated memes. Uh, let's take a trip down memory lane. I remember that one meme from 2012. I want to remember all of them. <laughs> it was like a threat. <laughs> And if you want to talk to Bethany, you can find her over on Tumblr at Driver Picks the Podcast. She just wants to know, like, where you're from, what sort of bins you have, and how they pick them up. Like, genuinely, I'm fascinated by I wonder, this. do they have recycling bins? That's a good fucking point. Surely they must. Okay, fourth question. Do you also have, like, specific, like, do you have a specific recycling bin? Yeah. Because, like, we have, like, a different colour bin for, like, recycling to trash to, like... Garden waste. Garden waste. Yeah, that's a really good question because, like, now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, the only bin that I've ever seen in any American media is just that, like, fucking tin thing. Yeah. And I've only ever seen them put plastic bags in it. Yeah. And that's definitely not recycling. Uh, So that just about does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, thank you. Hopefully we will have you back again next week. Bye. Bye.